This is the Ancient Texan coming to you from Maryland. The topic today is let's save one out of ten drug addicts. This is just to make you talk, to make you think and perhaps talk about the drug problem we have in the States. I don't claim to be an expert. Um, I grew up in El Paso. Uh, I've watched the drug, drug battle the war on drugs since its beginning. I remember sitting in my car on the way to high school and people passing around a joint. That was in the 60s. Uh, my brother grew up, sold quite a bit of pot I saw a lot of friends come back from Vietnam that had been on pot, heroin. I don't know. They're messed up. I don't know how much of that messed up was from drugs and how much was from what they saw in Vietnam. Uh... I've seen drugs hit my own family, my, one of my children. I've seen other of my children use quite a bit, but not get addicted. I've tried out quite a bit uh, when I was younger. My brother tried a lot of stuff, and I don't think it ever quite fit the category of addicted, but a hard user. Uh, my mid-40s, i sure I drank too much even into my 50s. Um, don't savor, don't drink too much now, but it's a very rare thing. Typically, have my glass of wine, pour another one, and end up leaving it on the table. I'll find it there the next morning. On the coffee table next to the couch where I was watching the tube. And um, I've been around a lot of family members that use Zoloft and other drugs and even some Adderall and some Ritalin and other drugs that can be addictive. So I've seen a lot of drug use in my life. And when I was drinking too much, I would consider that drug use. So, let's take question number one. How do people get addicted? We'll come to the, back to that in a second.
this is the ancient Texan going to continue in the talk on how do we save 10% of the drug addicts. This segment I, I want to look at how do people become addicted based on what I've seen. Admittedly, I'm not an expert. But I've seen more than I ever want to see. Well, I've seen people use coke and pot in particular for decades. And I wouldn't say their use fit the standard of being addicted. Um, They would run out of their drug and maybe wouldn't have money for it and that function okay and just wait till they got some more money down the line. Might be a few days, it might be a few weeks, it might even be a few months. Um, and I've also um, seen a fair amount of people using uh, opioids and painkillers for a pretty extended period of time without becoming apparently addicted. People using Zoloft uh, for their nerves and they use it for quite a while. But I've heard of, I've never actually seen people that kind of went off the edge pretty quickly. And then what I've observed most often is partying, uh, get a little bit heavier, and experimentation, get a little heavier with different stuff. And people kind of slide over the edge. Now, I don't have the statistics to prove it, being an engineer science type of guy. Um, I know this is just my story of what happens, but the story is not completely fictional. I think most people fit the mold of sliding over the edge. Their use gradually increases, maybe what they're using changes a little bit, and they may not even realize they're addicted, it's so gradual. And then when they get the first signs like they can't do without or they start feeling bad and getting, it may take quite a while after that before they admit it to themselves. In fact, it may be a long time and it, it could be forever. I think it's pretty much a myth that, you know, you try heroin once and you're addicted or try even something like fentanyl or speed uh, or crack cocaine but how fast it happens depends a lot on you your chemistry your mental mindset so I'm not advocating you go find out where your limit is I'm just advocating that most of the time it creeps up on you and I think the scare tactic of saying if you try pot you're going to end up a heroin addict or any of these radical statements or if you try this one time you're an addict is a 
it is as untrue as saying if you take a drink of beer, you're, you're going to become an alcoholic. It's a process most of the time. And I don't want that to be used as, you know, encouraging people to go out and drink or party or do anything. I mean, any kind of, I'm a, I drink wine all the time and I've drank a lot in my life. But what I want people to do is come in with eyes wide open that any drug use, even something the doctor gives you, has uh, the potential of sliding over the edge. And nobody's invincible. Um, so I, I think that's a little safer. And a, I also believe in the, you know, let's try to, be as truthful with everything as possible. That's the most likely way someone's become a drug addict. Oh, so how you get addicted? I would say most of the time uh, you find a drug that you're using uh, over an extended period of time that you have a tendency to become addicted with. And there's no way to know that ahead of time, which one that is for you. Some, I think, are obviously, you know, the fentanyls and the speed and the crack cocaine are much more addictive. Pot, coke, um, a lot of those are a lot less addictive. But if you happen to be on that, one of those people that can get addicted to coke, then obviously the averages don't mean anything. So the, the lesson is it can happen to you and you need to be aware that drug use can lead to addiction. So what might be more useful is asking what type of person and what type of situation is likely to lead to addiction. Yo, this is the Ancient Texan, part three of trying to save 10% of the addicts. This section we're going to talk about how do you know you're addicted? What's some signs? Well, there's some obvious signs you're using a lot. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're addicted. There's people that are heavy drinkers, heavy coke users, heavy pot smokers. Uh, truth come to shove, if their supply got off, cut off, um, they'd be okay. They might be down or sad or something. And I do think there's a physical addiction and an emotional addiction. Then uh, the two are closely linked. But heavy use by itself is not a measure of uh, addiction. And again, I like to state I'm not an expert. Um, 
but there are some sure signs like you take a smoker almost nicotine's got to be at on a scale of one to ten nicotine's a ten on the scale of how addictive it is um, anybody that's ever known a smoker and tried and watched them try to quit they can see what that's an addicted person um, but there's some signs probably that come a little before you're completely addicted um, as a drug user advised me once he said in the beginning you take drugs to feel good but after you become addicted you take drugs not to feel bad and that's got to be one of the big signs big flags when you start taking the drugs not to feel bad um, it's at least one of the warning signs that you're either addicted or close to it uh, there's other things like when you you know if you're an alcohol drinker you get up in the morning and start your day off with alcohol uh, you function well with the drug and you function with it all the time um, if you're on a prescription, you keep asking the doctor to get the prescription extended, which could also be that you're still in pain and that hadn't been dealt with. And chronic pain and addiction may be first cousins. But there's plenty of books you can look on and you know what's a sign that you're an addict. But, you know, if you've just transitioned from partying and doing it with your friends all the time to where you're doing it by yourself and you're doing it to keep from feeling bad, um, I think you should start looking for some help. This is the ancient Texan uh, talking about how to save 10% of the addicts. Um... We'll get into the, the details of of that uh, after this next segment on the role of mental addiction. This is the ancient Texan talking about how to get 10%, how to save 10% of the drug addicts. And on this segment, we want to talk about the role of mental illness, anxiety, just poor mental health and its role on drug addiction. I've watched, uh, I've 
had loved ones in treatment centers and I've watched um, and met with a lot of the kids that are in treatment centers. A lot meaning at various levels from you know just saying hi to having some conversation. I would guess somewhere between a dozen and two dozen, somewhere in that kind of range, let's say in the teens, under under 20 or so, which isn't a lot, but I also have loved ones that have spent a lot of time there that I've talked with quite a bit, so it, it's based on that experience that everyone that I've met had some what as an amateur I would call anxiety um, and fear that was behind their drug addiction it's it's I guess I could say they were unhappy but that's unhappy such a vague concept and you know even asking pretty healthy people uh, if they're happy, it may depend on the time of the day. But what I'm talking about is when you have fear and anxiety that kind of drives your your behavior. Uh, we all have fear and anxiety of some level or about something. Um, but as an adult and a healthy adult, you learn to kind of uh, move forward despite your fear, uh, despite your anxiety, and make you know some try to make some good calls on your life and try to do what's best for you and those that you love. Also, these same people, in in my mind, tend to be kind of of caught up in themselves. And their own anxieties and fears and uh, a little much we're all self-centered but a little bit more than average that that's how I would would classify most the people that became or that were drug dealers so I'd, I'd put fear and anxiety way up there on the top from the you know the ancient Texans viewpoint Um, which, in in my mind, is addressable. It's a type of thing that we can address as fellow humans, is helping another human that has fear and anxiety to deal with it. Um, I think by the time they've got to the point of being a drug addict or being suicidal or um, you know becoming you know the kind of the flip side of that's the bully that takes care of his fear by you know pushing other people around um, I think it's the type of thing that our society uh, doesn't address very well. There's a stigma with mental health. 
care and getting help. Um, we also live in a very aggressive, competitive society that often lacks compassion and kindness. In the absence of those values, it makes it hard for a person that is struggling, that needs some help with fear and anxiety to step forward and say, I'm, I'm down, I'm afraid. I, in fact, without a little help, they may not even know that what they're feeling is fear. Um, they just feel bad and it's nondescript. Uh, it's a lot easier to someone to hand you a pill and then you, for a while, you feel good or Coke kind of gives you that I'm a superman and the world is great and lovely and I'm on top of the world. When you have that experience, um, it's a lot easier to do it the second time to get rid of that fear and anxiety. It's a lot easier than going to your parents who are maybe not paying attention to you or going to a fellow student that makes fun of you in our society. It's a lot easier to, to just join with someone else who may have exactly the same problem, a little different flavor, uh, and pop a pill with them. I think this mental illness side of drug use is way underappreciated. Way, way underappreciated. I think, I can't say all drug users are, you know, mentally, have some mental issues or mental health issues, um, but a whole truckload of them do, especially, you know, teenagers. I think as a, as a society, if we want to make a dent on drug use, that's where we have to start. There is no easy way. Some magic bullet, like we're going to go stop drugs from coming into the U.S. and we're going to stop the drug problem. That's just, uh, that's nonsense. They were talking that way when I was a kid. And I'm in my 70s now. Uh, I've been hearing that garbage for 60 years. And I lived in a you know drug capital, El Paso. Uh, I even knew people that smuggled drugs over. I knew drug lords. Uh, it's pure nonsense thinking you're going to stop them. It's just that's you know live in that fairy tale world as long as you want to. But if you want to look around and see what we can do, let's look at the mental well-being of our children. How do we improve that? And the ones that start to slip over the edge, how can we identify them, notice them, and help them? Um, you give a, a kid, or an adult for that matter, the tools to deal with anxiety and um, fear to first recognize that that's what they're feeling and then some tools to deal with that to cope with it um, 
meditation is part of it that that's kind of beyond the scope of this talk but if you want to make a dent in um, drug use you want to save some kids that's where we start this is the ancient Texan and I'll have one final word on drug use This is the ancient Texan with a few final words on saving 10% of our drug addicts. You're probably asking, what the hell are you talking about? Why do you only want to save 10% of our drug addicts? Well, it's not a matter of what I want to do. I want to save 100%. But it's a way of saying to you, especially if you're one of the people who has a loved one that's has a drug problem, a drug challenge, a drug crisis. The odds are once someone is addicted, especially to the harder stuff like heroin or fentanyl or probably even to speed but it but I've seen people that are you know aerosols out of a can that uh, have gone back into treatment 10 times the odds are not good once someone is addicted and there's the whole brain chemistry of you know why that happens which, you know, you should get a professional to explain that. But, you know, you get your endorphin hit from the drugs and you take that away. You get used to a good, solid hit of endorphins and you take that away and normal pleasures of life are not so rewarding. So every action that you take on the road to getting your your drug is a potential trigger to send you down that whole road and take it again and it's biologically that drive is so damn big that it really takes a huge amount of work for someone to resist that temptation Uh, my big temptation is not uh, eating snacks late at night watching TV and I fail at that miserably And that should be so easy, and yet it's so hard. And there's a lot of other overweight people like myself, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a a form of addiction. And once you get there, it is a hell of a lot of work. Now multiply that by 100 times, and you see what the drug addict is up against. So first, the drug addict is against a huge wall of just overcoming that initial impulse. Uh, And if he stays away for a long time, 
and then that that initial pull it gets too close to it's like being close to a if you ever played with two magnets and you now you're getting them close together and you can feel the tug and then you get them a little bit closer and all of a sudden they jump to each other that's what a drug addict deals with all the time they get too close to that in their thoughts their actions their location their friends somewhere where they feel that tug of the drug and that addiction that historical addiction those two magnets just fly together and if it's been a while there's pretty good chance they're going to overdose so first just trying to avoid that addiction and then not ending up to be one of the overdose where your body's lost its tolerance and the first time you do it after x months uh you're dead The second big problem is that once you get someone away from you know the the initial pull they're more than likely right back where they were on the other side of their addiction. If they had a mental health problem or fear or anxiety, they're right back where they started from. no better prepared maybe even worse because people now look down on them and there's a certain stigma the fact that they've had a drug problem people are criticizing them uh they don't feel good about themselves they feel like they've wasted their life and yet we haven't given them any more tools we haven't dealt with the problems called causing the fear and the anxiety or the hurt um uh, sexual trauma or whatever they've gone to to bring them to this point that they were before they started taking drugs now they're on the other side of taking drugs they're exactly the same shape how many people have healthcare policies that allow that person to get extensive maybe um mental health counseling maybe living in a treatment center for a few months and getting mental health support for years after the drug problem how many people have the insurance in this country to do that how many people are around those that would support their child their loved one in doing that how many can even do it if they want to just the money issue So when I when I say 10% it's not cuz I'm some hard ass that only wants to save, you know, the cream of the crop. It's cuz I've watched these people and it is hard. It's hard for them. And it's hard for the people around them. and our society has no appreciation of the hurdles required that someone most must get over and we have a culture that's not going to put the resources and time congress the garbage they're going to stop drug addiction and they're going to stop it from coming in we're not being real yet we're in some la la land until we can look at each individual and approach their problem um 
we're not going to solve this. And the rate we're going, we have such a long journey, and there's going to be so many more people die. You have to look at this drug-addicted person, see someone that's hurting, and that has a huge magnet pulling him back to a place that at least feels safe for the moment. Oh, obviously it's a subject that I've felt some pain over and I've done a lot of thinking about. I've done a lot of listening. This is my two cents and I hope it helps somebody. Uh, I'm sure not everything I'm saying here is correct, uh, but I think I'm way ahead of the curve of the nonsense I'm hearing over the TV and by politicians and by most people. I think we need some love and compassion to solve this problem. Uh, It lets us have the understanding and the willpower, the strength to attack what is a very tough problem. If we learn these skills, we'll find out that the same skills can solve a lot of other problems in America. This is the ancient Texan talking to you about values. Namaste.